I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with Heather Taylor. As a longtime hospice nurse, she realized when a death occurred, there were little resources available to assist the family left behind. She created services to meet those needs called After a Loss. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. I am really thrilled to be talking to you. I I really look for innovative things that are happening in the United States and even in the world. And I have to say, your business is one of the, the most innovative things I've seen in a long time. And it's called After a Loss. And but I really want to start start talking about or first start talking about, you know, as a hospital and a hospice nurse, you've seen a lot of family crises prior to a death and especially after a death. Talk to me a little bit about your experience and why you created such a business. So crises happen um, because mostly everybody is very emotional and sometimes things get said and done and maybe things get taken out of context. Um, When people are anticipating a death and even in the fact that they may not know a death is going to occur, when they're faced with that, it's the unknown that they they mainly are working on. Sometimes people um, have been at bedside vigils for many days, having not had proper sleep, the stress of being away from home, maybe away from family, maybe missing work. And no pay and uncertainty of situations plays a big part into um, why the situation becomes into a crisis situation. Um, After a loss is able to step in, um, what we do is we anticipate the family's needs the best that we can based on what we're given. And um, we can find out all the stressors that they're they're up against and hopefully alleviate or at least provide support to the families during this time. Um, As I said, the fear of the unknown is usually what brings about a lot of emotions. And um, that's what we're there to kind of calm the chaos and see if we can help them through this difficult journey that maybe they've never been on before. Well, you know, in hospice care, working as a hospice nurse and possibly even a hospital nurse, you see so many things that a possibly that a family might need that the hospital or hospice are not or cannot or aren't, aren't able to fulfill? Like, what are some of the things that you've seen that are this, just the most basic things that that the hospital and hospices aren't doing for families? Not because they don't want to, but just because it's not under their requirements or they just don't have the staff to maintain it that you are trying to bridge the gap in. Having been a hospice nurse, this is where the idea of after a loss came. Um, I began to listen to the families and realized that they were physically, spiritually, and emotionally exhausted. Um, What they were saying, I heard over and over again, things like, I haven't been home in days. My house is a mess. There's no food in my house. I've got to get to the airport to pick up my kids. I can't drive. I haven't slept. All of these things were very real for these families. Um, sometimes families would also say it's over now. And then they only realized it was just beginning. 
so the journey that they'd had with us during their stay at hospice had just ended. But as they left the doors of hospice, many of them felt um, like they didn't have the support that they had normally um, been used to during, during, you know, either the illness and their time at hospice. They had had multiple multidisciplinary people around. So they'd had nurses and social workers and PSWs and healthcare aides and spiritual care workers. And now they found that they were going home sometimes to a house all by themselves to make some of the toughest decisions they may ever be asked to make. Um, some of these families were exhausted, um, as I said before, um, and just didn't think they could handle doing one more thing. So that was kind of where we stepped in is to um, do the most basic things that they would have to do to day-to-day living, just preparing meals, um, running kids around, picking up um, different errands and things like that that they would have to do normally. Um, It was just too overwhelming and too much for somebody who is in the thick of grieving. Mm. And and I I tell you, uh, I, I can only remember my personal experiences that upon the last breath is really when you know, excuse me, but shit hits the fan. Yep. Um, you know, it, it really is because I remember when my grandmom died and we, after the burial, the grandkids and, you know, my dad and his sister, we were sitting in my grandmother's house and suddenly they were like, look, your grandmother really would like you to go through her things to pick on a couple of items. She asked us to give that to you guys. And, and it was just the house, the getting all the stuff and where do you begin and the paperwork and, and it, it is such a mountain. And I can tell you that even working 17 years in the healthcare industry, you really don't know what, what happens until you experience it. Almost like, for instance, people don't know when they're, what healthcare is until they experience it with a healthcare crisis. Right. Um, and that's, that's where I think uh, after a loss, uh, you guys come in and sort of almost do kind of survey what does the family need and almost like a and I a death planner like an after death planner yeah. um like a wedding planner help hey guide them through what needs to happen or say this is the family's recommending that they want this to happen and you help them plan and give them the support they need about what matters most after that loved one is buried or cremated or green burial or whatever they have chosen to celebrate the life. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So tell me what, what are the typical services that you have been asked to do? Um, It's funny you should mention that because it's typical. Um, I would love to say that there's a certain thing, but for every family we have served, it has been very unique and different. Um, I give the example of one lady had called me and she said, I never even thought I would be unable to write my thank you cards. I have arthritis so bad in my hands and I never thought everybody's gone back. My kids have gone home. Um, my husband's now dead and I need to write all these thank you cards. Can you come? I can tell you what to write and if you could just do that penmanship for me. So that was the service. Um, oh, wow. Something I had never even thought of offering, but it was a request. And you know what? I have I have to say, it, that's an intimate request. 
Yeah. I mean, but that is probably one of the greatest gifts you could give someone to help them do that. It, it really was. I mean, because it was her words that I was able to transcribe and put into the into the cards that she was sending out. Um, so it kind of felt like, you know, I was feeling a bit of her as I was writing, um, you know, her words. They were so intimate and deep. And, uh, you know, she she just wanted to make sure that she had properly thanked every everybody for what they had done. And even though I hadn't been involved with this family during that time, it made me feel like I had been because I was writing thank yous for things that had been received during this time and for people who had stopped by and some of the quote-unquote kind words that they had um, said to her or, or, you know, phrases they had said. So I kind of felt like I had been there even though I hadn't just being able to transcribe it for her. Wow. Yeah. Um, other families... Um, I have been called to, at the moment of the death, I have accompanied them at the hospice, um, have left hospice, and and one family, I remained with them for four days. I was there through uh, the visitations, and I stayed until after the funeral. Uh, Another family, their requirement was they just wanted their house clean. They had a four-bedroom house, and everybody was arriving from Toronto, and they wanted um, the house cleaned so that when everybody got there, they had clean beds to pop into because everybody was exhausted. Uh, another family, it was the, they went to the two to four visitation and came back and we served them a meal before they had to go back to the funeral home for the seven to nine visitation. So as much as, um, those are just some examples, but every single family's needs are so unique and different that, um, I I originally had packages prepared as to what I thought people would require, but it has has been very different. Um, It has been very individualized, and we have customized packages according to the amount of hours or the services they've required. Now, you are uh, an RN. Yes, I am. You've worked in end of life for um, many, many years, but how many times have you got requests for a licensed RN, something that only license RNs can do? Um, you know what? Mostly it has not been um, requesting RNs. It has just been the service itself, which, um, you know, quite honestly, it's concierge based. Um, the, some of the knowledge has been um, I've drawn on from my nursing abilities. And I did look at doing this with nurses just because of our assessments. Um, process of which we learn through nursing. So we're always assessing and implementing and evaluating. So that's our nursing process in a, in a whole. And it, that's kind of hard sometimes to teach when you've done it for three years of schooling and then I've been a nurse for 26 years now. Um, so you don't even realize you're going through those steps. You're just constantly always assessing and looking to see if there's something the family might need if their Kleenex is empty, if toilet paper needs to be replaced, if people need coffee poured, um, without any cues, quite honestly. So it's just kind of, um, you know, just the assessment skills that we as nurses seem to um, come very freely with. Well, you know, my experience with hospice nurses, you just define them. Um, because it, it really, at the end of life, yes, it's about pain management. It's about this. It's about making sure the pa- family is used to it. But the majority of the time, it's about what matters most. And I think 
after a loss equals what matters most. Because I've never, I mean, even the writing of the cards, even the preparing of the beds, that is priceless. Priceless when it comes to a family struggling in a healthcare crisis and someone is lost to an illness or dies for natural causes or in a tragic accident. Those simple things become so overwhelming. And I think what your business is doing is just heart to heart, compassionate care for those who are still living. And I have never seen another business do that. And I applaud you. I I think there needs to be an after loss in every city in the United States. Um, it, so talk to me, though, is how how do people get to you? I mean, because you're not just in Canada, even though you are in Canada, you live in Canada, you provide these services in Canada, but you're willing to travel. I am. I um, cover all of southwestern Ontario, which is quite a quite a demographic. Um, I have spoken with nurses, quite honestly, throughout the U.S. and Canada who are looking at taking this on as a business of which they can perform. Um, and also partnering with home care agencies because they already have staff in place and a lot of times they are already involved with the families. So a lot of times when um, this situation happens, they want somebody that they feel comfortable with. They, this is a very vulnerable time in their lives, so they want to know that they know you, they like you, and they trust you are the key things um, that brings family in a crisis or at a time of loss some calming effects is that, you know, they are vulnerable and, and they don't want to be exposed any further. So to have people who they are familiar with and they know and are not going to come in and ask a lot of questions and um, require a lot of guidance from them to be able to just pick up and go on because they, they know that's kind of the goal here is to um, be in the background, but yet be present to everything they need. So you don't need to be, um, we're not the focus by any stretch of the imagination. We're just hoping to float in the background and anticipate the needs before they become um, any questions. So, um, I mean, I would love for sure to be able to expand this um, throughout the United States. I do believe there's a place in every every city and um, every province in Ontario, in Canada, um, to be able to provide this service as it is a much needed service for sure. These were all the these were all the things that I wanted uh, when I experienced the unexpected death of my mom. These were um, oh yes. These were all the all the things that I had to do. Yeah, this is, comes from a personal experience, a personal story of your own yes. that this kind of came from, which is very important. So please share that story with us. Um, so April 28, 2011, uh, my mom died unexpectedly of a pulmonary embolism. So that's a blood clot in her lung. And um, so that was an unexpected death. We were not prepared for that. And it was throughout the next you know, a week or so while we were preparing for her funeral and most of my family lives in the United States. Um, as family were arriving, my dad is one of 11 kids, so he has a big extended family. Um, so we did wind up with a lot of people arriving at our house and the requests and the things that, you know, needed to happen, the amount of coffee and food that was served in those days 
and the amount of errands and running to the airport to pick up guests who were arriving. I think I went to the airport on four different occasions. Um, it was all of these things that I looked back and I was so emotionally exhausted and not sleeping. And um, I thought at one point, I just wish somebody could come and do some of this for me. I would pay them any amount of money just to help me um, set up my mother's memorial table the morning of her funeral. Um, I thought I should be at home getting ready, but yet there was another task to be done. So I tell everybody this was my grief work. I laid awake a lot of nights and um, thinking, how can I um, help another family um, not feel like I do during this time? And um, that was kind of how it came to be. I went back to hospice and I really started to pay attention to what the families there were saying and, um, like I say, anticipating their needs once they got home, um, all the emotions that came about and all the errands and duties that needed to happen. And it has to happen quickly. Usually you've got three days um, to make a lot of these arrangements and sometimes family who are traveling don't even get here for that time period. So sometimes you are all alone making these decisions and they are the toughest decisions you may ever make in your life um, when you're sitting with a funeral home and you can't imagine anything but the best for your loved one. And, you know, it's a, it's a hard decision and you're just going on instinct as to what you think that person may need or want. And sometimes, you know, just to have somebody there to support you, even just to accompany you and maybe not say a word, but just to know there's somebody else there with you. And that's what we will do. I, I think it is a brilliant idea, but talk to me a little bit about how you are supporting this business. Um, because, I, you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Even hospices, they're looking at bottom line, they're looking how, how reimbursement can support growth. Um, but how do you afford to grow? to have such a business? Is it, is it private pay? It is private pay. Um, at this point, um, that is something I know that is very different with the healthcare model in Canada versus the USA. I know that a lot of, um, hospice programs and things run through Medicare. So our Ontario health insurance plan, um, does cover our stays at our hospice and all of our end of life care. But um, I love Canada. <laughs> but there, oh, I love Canada. There just are no, um, there's no coverage for a service like this. So, um, as you mentioned before, I'm kind of like the wedding planner. Even though you have a long time, usually when you're planning your wedding, um, I'm the funeral planner kind of thing that steps in and kind of takes over and takes you know cues from the family as to what their needs are and what their wants are. Um, but yes, at this point it is private pay and hopefully in the future I can, um, get in the hands of insurance or possibly benefits for, um, people who are, have, have bereavement leaves or, um, benefits through their, their work. Well, you know, it has to be somehow, especially in America, included in long-term health insurance. There has to be something of a benefit that affords us. But first of all, I, I'm going to be real frank with you. I think your services are priceless. And I'm telling you, I'm going to need your services when some of my family members pass away because I will be so emotionally in a spiral because of who they are in my life 
that I'm not sure I could do anything without a service like you and what you're providing. Um, and and I, I don't think I, it would matter how much it was. I would just want you to come in and be like, tell me, I, I got this. Everything's going to be okay. And just tell me where I need to be and what I need to be wearing. And just, hey, sh- just all you have to do is show up. And I think that listening to you um, doing your whole mom's celebration and you should be home getting ready, but you're struggling to really celebrate her in a way a daughter wants to, but you're stressing out about trying to do everything and you're not able to be present in what's occurring in your own life. Right. It, it, it really touches me. And I, so let me ask you this. How do people like, for instance, let's just say me, I wanted to get you involved with, uh, I just had a family loss. How do I get you involved in what I'm doing and what, what would that take? Well, um, depending on where you're located, of course, if I can get there. Otherwise I, um, like I say, I have nursing friends kind of all over the world and, um, lots of nurses who I would certainly, um, recommend in each area. I'm involved with quite a lot of nurse entrepreneurs and a lot of home care nurses as well. So hopefully I would have somebody in that area, um, that would be able to meet the needs. Um, again, like I say, hopefully I'm able to expand the service in 2018. That is my goal to have it in the United States and, um, be able to have people readily available that could, could accommodate the needs. Um, you know, it will, it will grow. I know once I get it going. Um, so it's just a matter of, like I say, if, if I can meet the need and I can get there in a timely fashion, I certainly, um, We'll do that or otherwise, like I say, hopefully I have a colleague who is available um, that would be able to go and fill in for me until we can get somebody closer trained. So let me ask you this. What if what if people are listening across the United States? Um, we get quite a bit of downloads every week. But what if there's a nurse out there? that might be interested in helping you expand some of these services um, in their local area or their state, what, what do they have to do to get in contact with you? So I, um, I have a 1-800 phone number. Um, that number is 1-888-245-3997. And that's accessible through the United States and Canada. Um, I can be reached by email. Uh, my email is heather at afteraloss.com. Um, I am on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and um, if you want to visit my website, all of the information is there as to contact me, and I usually respond within an hour. Um, the website Availability for that is www.afteraloss.com. So anyway, any of those ways of which you can contact me, um, like I say, I respond as soon as I can get the message. And I would love to be in contact with any nurse who would look at this as a as a uh, resource or as a business that they would like to join in. Well, and I encourage people... Uh, just 
to to contact you to get more information because it's services like yours that are based on value and not really reimbursement. Right. And we are growing in this whole value-based product. And I, I have to applaud you because I tell you, I will pay for value um, more than I would even consider reimbursement because I pay for what I get. And I can only imagine um, what you have benefited families that you've worked with, with even foreshadowing, because as a nurse and as your background, you know what's happening next. And this family, whether it's the first or second, they're still in shock that they're losing this person. And you can help manage the the ins and outs of the details as they can really experience something personal. So if you are an RN, I encourage you to contact Heather because this could be brought uh, to your community. I think it's a, a definite gap in how we serve individuals with losses. And I would hopefully, I would love to see this in every community in the United States. Um, I, what can I do to help you? What can the, what the, can the individual do to help promote what you are doing um, in Canada and in the United States with after a loss? How can, can, how can an individual help you if we're not RNs? How can we get the word out about what you're doing? Well, um, again, if people are aware of the, of the service, that it's actually a service that's now available, um, and they are able to either go online if they know of a friend or they know of a family member who may be experiencing or even anticipating. Ideally, we'd love to meet with the family or be involved with the family beforehand. Um, I have done a lot of work over the phone or over the internet with families as well that were at a distance. I actually had a friend who was a couple hours away, but things were happening readily the other day. So we just communicated via text, quite honestly, back and forth. So I was able to support her without actually being there um, physically, but through the internet. Um, so, I mean, that has been another great avenue for me when I physically couldn't be there, but she was just wondering about certain signs and symptoms, what that meant, who she should call, um, you know, as the time neared, who she, who else she wanted to get there. Was it time to call the priest? There was many questions that she had. And just from the symptoms of which she was describing, having been um, a hospice and palliative care nurse for many years, I was very familiar with the trajectory of life and um, how it was going. So I was able to be there to support her. And she said, you know, I don't know how I would have gotten through it, quite honestly, without the support. I just felt like you were giving me all the things that I needed to know at that time when I was so unsure and scared. And that that goes for a whole different audience. If you are a best friend or you are a family mem- member trying to help people th- navigate this, you are available through the phone and will will help people be the co-pilot. Even while you're in a whole nother uh, country, you can help people like, hey, create a checklist of, hey, have you thought of this, this, this? Because when you're in it, that checklist is so far from the mind. And I think that's a valuable tool to encourage individuals. If you have someone out there that is about to, that is um, in, in your 
intimately involved with helping them navigate how to get through this or plan a funeral or get through the next three months, you might be a great resource for them to to help this individual as well. And I think that is the greatest gift we can give those we love too. So that's a whole nother audience too, um, to, to reach out to you and get your advice and your guidance um, as, as people we love, best friends go through this really momentous and, and impactful time in their life. You know, it's, it's a journey that sometimes people have never, never been on before. And it's a lot of the unknown and that's what causes a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety is just not even knowing what's next, what to do, what to look for, how it may occur. Um, time frames are, are very important. People are leaving jobs. They've had to step away from their family to maybe care for a family member and life still continues on. And people, you know, if there's an idea as to whether we're looking at days, weeks, or months, um, that's so important for people to just even have. And of course I tell everybody, nobody has a magic, you know, crystal ball that can tell them the exact times of, you know, an occurrence, but also just to give them a ballpark as to if they're looking at taking a medical leave from work. Um, we have just expanded our bereavement leave here in Ontario. So it, it just gives them an idea as to when they might need to start that paperwork process to be able to get their job covered and to be able to be there with their family member or friend, whoever it is that they've choose, they're choosing to care for. Wow. I, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing for people. This is a needed service in every community in the United States and Canada. And I encourage you to reach out to he Heather. Can Go ahead and, and let's re recap how people can get in touch with you. Okay. So if you're looking at the internet, um, I have a website again. It is www.afteraloss.com. Um I am available by phone at 1-888-245-3997. And otherwise, I can be reached um, heather at afteraloss.com or on any of the social media um, aspects. I have a LinkedIn page, a Twitter account, and also um, Facebook for sure. So... Well, I thank you for what you're doing. And if there's anything that I can do to support your efforts, I think this is a much needed service that I hope is going to expand and whatever I can do to promote it, please reach out to me because I believe this service is so undervalued and so needed for those going through a loss. And so whatever I can do to support your mission, please, please let me know. Well, thank you. This this podcast alone hopefully will We'll start stirring up some interest. And like I say, I'm hoping 2018 um, is the year of expansion and we're able to serve a greater population and, um, you know, help the families in need. We Our slogan is a helping hand at a hurting time. And um, mm, I love that. <laughs> it just kind of sums up when we come in and hopefully what we do. And uh, like I say, our, our goal is to just be able to um, be there to calm the chaos that goes on when when this occurs and to anticipate um, any needs or anything that we can do to help without um, 
you know, stepping into any personal time at all that you need. We found that this helps um, the grieving family start the grieving process maybe that little bit earlier so that, you know, they may be able to return to work that much sooner. And, um, you know, because when people return to work and they're thinking about all the things that they have to do, such as cleaning out closets and returning medical equipment and helping with paperwork and closing out accounts, their mind is far from where it needs to be on their job um, when they're thinking about all the things that occur and have to happen after a death. So hopefully that's where we step in and we can help alleviate um, some of those anxieties that you have about uh, all the all the things that still need to occur in the fact that a death has, has uh, entered your, your life. So, yeah, anything we can do. Yeah, I really encourage if you are an RN and you're interested in talking to Heather, she she just gave her contact information and I'll include it on our Facebook page um, along with this podcast. So please, if you are interested in learning more about what Heather is doing with After a Loss, get in touch with her because it takes a community to take care of individuals facing a serious and advanced illness and even a loss. And you're part of that solution. So get in touch with Heather and and let's, let's spread this across the United States. And um, Heather, what an innovative thing to think about. And I applaud you. And don't ever think that you're not needed because you are every day. And all our job is, is how can we reach individuals to help support what you're doing, but also get the word out about possibilities of how even organizations can implement what you're doing on in, in Canada and in some parts in, in the United States. What a, what a gift you are. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm, you know, I, I feel that I, uh, I certainly have been very privileged to have um, walked the journey with many families. And I do believe that, that indeed it is a privilege and um, I, I thoroughly enjoy this work as, as sad as that sounds, but um, a lot of people say it takes a special person. And, and I think that this is my calling quite honestly. Um, I've done all kinds of different nursing and I truly, um, I truly feel that this is where my specialties lie is, is working um, at end of life care and with the newly bereaved families for sure is um, something I feel is a specialty that, that I'm lucky enough to have come across and have had majorly excellent mentors um, that have taught me so many things. And um, I've learned from some of the best nurses and physicians around. So I, uh, I didn't do this all on my own. I've, I've learned a lot along the way. So I uh, thank all those that, that have helped me learn um, my role as, as the uh, after a loss um, person in somebody's life. Well, I, I tell you, we're going to radically change um, how people deal with a loss with your agency. And so thank you for the groundbreaking and the foundation and building this and put on your seatbelt because I'm hoping that a lot of people are going to call you and expand this business um, model because it is not because of anything, but it's the right thing to do. And so I touche you, your courage and your um you're just innovative thoughts about how you can serve family beyond just the box that we're serving them in right now. I applaud you and I am here to support you in any way possible. So thank you for joining us today. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to tell my story. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.